DW Africa Link. It's the 19th of December 2023. That's a few hours before DRC goes to the polls. Hello and welcome to the program that keeps you up to date with what's happening in Africa and beyond. Hi, I'm Eddie Micah Jr. And my name is Josie Mahachi. Join us on our Facebook page, DW Africa, and share your thoughts on the stories we are covering. We also appreciate everyone who's tuned in through all our partner stations across the continent. Coming up on the program, some Congolese in Goma are ready for the election and have their hearts set on their preferred candidates. I'm ready to go and vote tomorrow because it's a duty for every citizen. It's this process that will enable us to put new leaders at the head of our country's institutions. Meanwhile, in Kinshasa, the capital, many still doubt the election will happen. We hear from a correspondent. Today, early in the day, the vice minister of uh, interior uh, made a press conference where he wanted to reassure the Congolese people that tomorrow there will be election because some people was wondering if election will happen tomorrow. Stay tuned for the details after the world's news in brief. DW News. Hello, I'm Keith Walker. The UN Security Council is set to vote on a new resolution for Gaza. It calls for a temporary pause in fighting to allow much-needed aid to be delivered to civilians trapped in the war zone. Hamas officials say at least 20 people have been killed in renewed Israeli strikes on the southern city of Rafah. Hours earlier, the US urged Israel to scale back their offensive as international concern grows over the number of civilian casualties. At least five people were killed after suspected rebels from the Allied Democratic Forces attacked an area in western Uganda. The Ugandan military say the militants attacked a village earlier on Tuesday without giving further details. The ADF is linked to the so-called Islamic State and was formed as an anti-Kampala rebel group in the mid-90s. German Defence Minister Boris Pistorius was in Niger on Tuesday. He's the first member of Chancellor Olaf Scholz's government to visit the West African country since a military coup in July upended relations. One of Pistorius's top priorities during his visit was to address the uncertain future of an air transport base established by Germany. The Defence Minister will also visit the more than 100 German soldiers stationed at a base in Niger's capital, Niamey. DW Africa Link News comes to you from Germany's international broadcaster, DW. A top Catholic LGBT leader has welcomed Monday's landmark Vatican ruling that Roman Catholic priests can bless same-sex couples, but such blessings cannot happen as part of a religious ceremony. Marianne Duddy-Burke says the church still has miles and miles to go. We are a global church and there are many areas of the world, Eastern Europe, Africa, the Caribbean, pockets of places in the U.S. even, where there is not acceptance of LGBTIQ plus people. And there is still belief that we are somehow not quite as holy or as good as other people. And we need to keep working for all of that to change. 
As the Democratic Republic of Congo gears up for elections on Wednesday, the opposition and independent observers warn that issues including eligible voter cards, blocked campaign planes and electoral list delays threaten the legitimacy of the results. 44 million Congolese are registered to vote. And we have a lot more on the DRC elections coming up next here on DW Africa Link. More than 100 people have been killed and hundreds injured in a nighttime earthquake in northwestern China. The 6.2 magnitude quake damaged homes, roads and other infrastructure. Rescue efforts have been hampered by sub-zero temperatures. Finally, in the US, Texas Governor Greg Abbott has approved a new bill that would give the police sweeping powers to arrest migrants who illegally cross the United States border. The bill also gives authority to judges to order these people to leave the country. The move comes as part of an overall attempt to tighten immigration laws. And that's the latest DW Africa Link News. Thanks for sticking with us on the program. My name is Josie Mahachi. And Eddie Micah Jr. is my name. Remember to comment on the stories we're covering on our Facebook page, DW Africa. We'll be uh, shouting out some of you and checking out the comments on the page during the course of the show. Now, countdown has already begun for millions of Congolese citizens to vote in one of the most anticipated elections of 2023. The vote could represent the second peaceful civilian transition in the Democratic Republic of the Congo's history since independence from Belgium in June 1960. However, there have been mounting concerns about transparency, especially after the European Union Observer Mission pulled out and hundreds of thousands of people in areas in the volatile east are unable to vote because of spiraling insecurity from armed groups. Speaking of insecurity, Eddie, in Goma, where the security and economic crisis is at the heart of the debate, residents say they are ready for the elections. Our correspondent, Zanim Neti Zahidi, brings us more. Despite the deplorable economic situation throughout the city as a result of the insecurity, Jacques Malonga is getting ready to go to the polls in the early hours of tomorrow. Despite the current economic crisis and insecurity, the entire population is mobilized for the vote. Seni is finalizing the installation of electoral kits in all centers so nothing can stop the elections. I think I'll already be at the voting center by 6.30 a.m. The electoral campaign ended yesterday, Monday, at midnight across the country, and already all the Congolese, like Ruth Mutunzi, have their hearts set on the candidates they will be voting for on December 20th. After the election campaign, I'm ready to go and vote tomorrow because it's a duty for every citizen. It's this process that will enable us to put new leaders at the head of our country's institutions. And so I'm ready to go tomorrow. The Citizens Movement Nouvelle Orientation pour la Nation, of which Dieu Merci Mungwa Konkwa is the national coordinator, has been raising awareness among Goma's inhabitants since the morning to go and fulfill this civic duty and is calling on the various candidates for appeasement.
Nous lançons un appel vibrant. We are appealing to all voters to go out and vote tomorrow for the candidates of their choice. We urge them to choose wisely because the future of the country depends on the choices that they will make. At the same time, we urge all candidates to be bold enough and take in the results whichever way they will come. This process will be the fourth democratic exercise in the Democratic Republic of Congo, albeit one marred by insecurity. Now, Zanem Neti Zaidi with that report. Now, Nearly 40 million eligible Congolese voters are expected to participate in the polls, also electing members of both national and provincial parliaments and local councillors. Josie, that's not a small number of people who could cast their vote. Not a small number, and I hope everybody will vote, Eddie. Mm. And But how many will vote in the yeah. capital and how is the mood in Kinshasa specifically to give us answers, answers rather to this I earlier spoke to our correspondent in Kinshasa Wendy Bashi Actually Kinshasa is very uh, quiet for the moment uh, there is like traffic jam like every day in in the street in Kinshasa people are going to work uh, the, the other people are going to market do doing everything so there is no actually tension or something new in the city and today early in the day the vice minister of uh, interior uh, made a press conference where he wanted to reassure the Congolese people that tomorrow there will be election because some people was wondering if election will, will happen tomorrow. But I've also speak with someone who is an expert in electoral questions and he told me that, uh, yes, people from civil society was quite very worried because, you know, in some places uh, we haven't seen the material. Myself today, I went in two centers uh, where election will happen tomorrow, I've seen nothing. But according to this expert of election, the material will be deployed maybe during this afternoon and also during the night. So, Wendy, you just mentioned something about some people in Kinshasa doubting that the election will be going on. Why is that so? What is happening? Why the doubt? People are doubting because, um, I will give you an example, I was talking with a driver today who told me that he woke up today early in the morning and he went in the center where he's supposed to vote tomorrow. But when he arrived at this place, he haven't seen anything, the material, even the list who was supposed to be put on the doors, there is nothing. So actually some people are really, really worried because they haven't seen physically the material of the election. But when you ask question to the CENI, Electoral National of the Election here in DRC, they just said the same answer, election will happen. So actually we think that all the material will be deployed even in Kinshasa, maybe late today in the night. So tomorrow the, the offices will open and people will be able to vote. Hmm. And talking about Kinshasa, what are the numbers like? Do you have some figures of how many registered voters we have for this particular election? It's really complicated to know because as we are speaking right now, uh, there is a problem with the, the electoral card. So it's really complicated because some people have lost the card. The other people who add the card and put in the in the register, they are not sure that their name will be found. So when even when you ask to the CNE the numbers, 
they don't know exactly the numbers of people who have been registered and the one who will be able to vote but the same answer still come there will be votes tomorrow don't be worried even if you don't have your card you can be sure that as a congolese you can vote tomorrow and when you walk on the streets of kinshasa can talking to some people wendy what are people saying about the candidates when you talk with people in the streets even people who sales who students or other people People want to vote because they say, you know, we have been waiting for this moment since five years. So the moment it's come to vote. But those who want to vote, they are really hungry to vote. They are really, really invested in this electoral process because some of them say they want change. And some of them say Chisekedi haven't uh, shown exactly what he's able to do. So they want to give him a second chance. So it's really polarized. You have the one who wants and the other who are really doubting and the other who are saying maybe they won't go there because there is no need to go because they haven't seen the material. Thanks, Wendy Bashi, for that um, report. Rather, I mean, insight on what is happening in Kinshasa. Mm. Now, this is an election the whole world is watching closely. But who are the candidates? We give you an insight of Four main contenders in the election in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Here is Crispin Mwakideo with more. Felix Antoine Shisekedi Shilombo was born on the 13th of June 1963. He is a Congolese politician and the current president of the Democratic Republic of Congo since the 24th of January 2019. Shisekedi, a member of the Luba ethnic group, was born to Mathe and Etienne Shisekedi, who served as Prime Minister of Zaire in the 1990s. Felix Shisekedi, popularly known by his supporters as Fachin Beton, is running for president under the Union for Democracy and Social Progress, UDPS, the DRC's oldest and largest party, succeeding his late father Etienne Shisekedi in that role, who was himself a three-time prime minister of Zaire and opposition leader during the reign of Mobutu Sese Seko. Shisekedi was the UDPS party's candidate for president in the December 2018 general election, which he won, despite accusations of irregularities from several election monitoring organizations and other opposition parties. Martin Madidi Fayulu was born on the 21st November 1956. He is the presidential candidate of the Engagement for Citizenship and Development Party. Fayulu is widely viewed as the legitimate winner of the DRC 2018 presidential election. On 11th November 2018, he was chosen by seven opposition leaders to be their joint presidential candidate in the 2018 Democratic Republic of Congo general election. However, within 24 hours, current President Felix Shisekedi and Vital Kamere, the other opposition candidate, resigned their endorsement of his candidacy and formed their own pact with Shisekedi as candidate. Born in Kinshasa, Martin Fayulu is a former ExxonMobil executive, having worked with the oil company from 1984 until 2003. He served as the company's director general in Ethiopia as his last post. His involvement in politics began in 1991 when he attended the Sovereign National Conference, which brought together delegates from different regions and organizations to campaign for a multi-party democracy. Fayulu did not enter politics full-time until 2006 after Mobutu and his dictatorship were gone. In the 2006 and 2011 general elections, he was elected as an MP to the National Assembly. 
In 2009, he established the Commitment for Citizenship and Development Party, which has three MPs, including himself. Moise Katumbi Chapwe was born on the 28th of December, 1964. He's a Congolese businessman and politician. He was governor of the mineral-rich Katanga province located in the southern part of the Democratic Republic of Congo from 2007 to September 2015. He was a member of the People's Party for Reconstruction and Democracy, PPRD, until September 2015. He has been described by The Economist as probably the second most powerful man in the DRC after former President Joseph Kabila. Jean Afrique named him African of the Year in 2015. Katumbi was born to a Congolese mother of Bemba and Yeke tribe and a Sephardic Jewish father from Greece. He studied at the Kiwele School of Lubumbashi and the Kapolowe Mission. Katumbi is considered one of the wealthiest people in the DRC. Katumbi's career began in the fishing industry when he was 13. He sold salted and fresh fish to the state-owned mining company Geka Mines. In 1987, he created the holding company Establishment Katumbi to aggregate all of his business activities, including mining, transportation, and food processing. Katumbi founded MCK, the mining company Katanga, in 1997, which specialized in mining and logistics and subcontracted for mining companies in the region, including Geka Mines. Since 1997, Katumbi has been the president of the football team TP Mazembe in Lubumbashi. The team has won the CAF Champions League title five times, including 2009, 2010 and 2015, and became the first African team to play in the FIFA Club World Cup Finals in 2010. Dennis Mukwege was born on the 1st of March 1955. He's a Congolese gynecologist and a Pentecostal pastor. He founded and works in Panzi Hospital in Bukavu, where he specializes in the treatment of women who have been raped by armed rebels. In 2018, Mukwege and Iraqi Yazidi human rights activist Nadia Murad were jointly awarded the Nobel Peace Prize for their efforts to end the use of sexual violence as a weapon of war and armed conflict. Born in Belgian Congo, today the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Mukwege is the third of nine children born to a Pentecostal minister and his wife. He almost died at birth due to an infection but was saved by the Swedish Pentecostal missionary and midwife Maiken Bergman. Mukwege decided to study medicine after seeing the complications that women in the Congo experienced during childbirth who had no access to specialist health care, and he wanted to heal the sick people for whom his father prayed. Mukwege has no solid political base. Okay, I'm sure you now know uh, four of the top presidential candidates as mm -hmm. Crispin Mwakideo brought you all that information. Chesakedi, Fayulu, Katumbi, Mukwege... Which one of these four will it be? Or is it going to be a surprise? Well, we'll never know until the people decide and we give you all mm -hmm. that information, which is why you should tune in to the Africa Link program tomorrow, election day in the DRC. Very, very key election. Whoever wins has a lot of work to do, you know, stabilizing the economy, ensuring that's exactly security being the key mm -hmm. issue on many people's minds. We'll be following the election on the ground. We have people on the ground. We have in-house experts. Our reporters will be giving you all the latest info. So Africa Link is the place to be on election day. On that very note, we just want to remind you, you're listening to DW's Africa Link coming to you live from our studios here in Bonn, Germany. I'm your host, Josie Mahachi. And Eddie Micah Jr. is my name. Connect with us on Facebook at DW Africa. Like and follow the page and comment on the stories we're covering. 
And speaking of Facebook, I see some of you commenting a lot on the DRC elections coming up tomorrow. Rosalind Pascal, you're saying really a great lineup for the DRC, wishing them the best as they select a new president. And Lambert Kevin is also commenting, saying, will you go for a man of God? (laughs) Which man of God? I don't know what. But anyway, thank you so much for those comments. Now, still to come on the program, imagine having free access to health care. Well, that could soon be the case in South Africa. But why is there opposition to this move? The NHR bill seeks to abolish private health care and only have state health care that will capacitate our health care. It effectively renders medical schemes redundant at the time that the NHR is fully implemented. Okay, before we get into that story, let's first find out what's happening in Guinea-Conakry. Authorities have restricted internet connection to the public for a while now without given reasons, right? But it's not just that. Mm. The Communications Authority has also removed three private TV and radio channels from Canal, which is a French media service channel. Now, according to the Communications Authority, the action is in line with the maintenance of security and stability in the country. Right groups and the Guinean Bar Association have condemned the actions and called it a violation of human rights. For more on the story, our correspondent Karim Kamara reports from Conakry. Even though the chairman of the High Authority of Communications, Abubakar Yassin Jallo, did not directly accuse the three most popular private TV channels of wanting to provoke security breach in the country, he says their removal from the satellite channel of Canaan will help to maintain security and stability in the country. Yassin says the removal of the three channels will remain in force until further notice. After we received a complaint from competent authorities drawing our attention to dangers that will have an impact on the national security, we called for an external meeting. We agreed to ask Canal to remove Joma TV from their channels until further notice. I have heard people saying that the communications authority does not have the right to suspend any information outlet But the law gives us authority to withdraw licenses and to even close the frequency. Juma Television and its radio were the first news organs to be slammed with the ban. But soon after, two other famous private television channels and their stations were also banned. The Secretary General of the Professional Press Association, Seku Pendesa, dismissed the accusations as baseless and accused the High Authority of Communications of working under command from the authorities to silence the press. They cannot show you a single program or news bulletin in which there is an element that threatens national security. It is not true. Even when members of the Union of Radios and Televisions asked the chairman of the High Authority of Communications about the national security issue, he said they are investigating. He said they just received a call from the competent services. This means there is a plan to silence the media and muscle the press and journalists. But we won't accept it. According to observers, this latest deterioration in relationship between the press and the junta comes after the press continued to unveil alleged corruption cases and bad governance in Guinea under the junta. Edward Zutomo, a political analyst, says the junta has nobody to blame but itself. The junta is really cornered. The only way for them is to try to create some type of confusion in the country so that people outside won't see what is happening inside. 
Because if you're doing good deed, in fact, you shouldn't be silencing people. That, that's the reasoning we have. But if you're doing bad things that you don't want people to know, then you will silence people. That's the reason. Radios, televisions, uh, they, they're taking them off to justify those type of actions. In the past month, internet connections in Guinea have also been restricted to the public by the junta without any reason. People are now using VPN to have access to social media, as the government says access to internet is not a right. The Guinean Bar Association and Red Groups have issued a statement calling for the immediate restoration of internet access, which they say is a legal right in Guinea. Karim Kamara reporting from Conakry and uh, Josie talking about uh, Guinea. Mm-hmm. It's it's not it, it's it's been pretty bad news uh, lately. You remember? Yeah, like now you yeah. remember the main fuel depot yeah. explosion that happened. I mean, the death toll has actually risen to fourteen yeah. with hundred ninety people yeah. injured. Eddie. Yeah, the government said the incident could lead to electricity outages as the majority of the terminal's fuel tanks are out of service and a lot of you commented on this Ahmed Ferrasan Kamano says the death toll could be far much greater than the incident in Sierra Leone and Nangia Lawrence says something is definitely wrong they want the junta men to go bankrupt and seek finances from those he's fighting to liberate his people mm. and CD Mansour says uh, you feel this is sabotage well these are what you guys think on our Facebook page DW Africa Keep them coming through. Now let's go to South Africa, which could soon become one of the few African countries to introduce a 100% government-funded public health model. That's after the recent passing of the National Health Insurance Bill. Yeah, the bill, which is now awaiting President Cyril Ramaphosa to sign into law, seeks to provide the same level of health care to all South Africans, whether they have medical aid or not. But the program has divided South Africans. Tuzo Kumalo reports from Johannesburg. After more than a decade since the idea of rolling out National Health Insurance, NHI, was first adopted as the ruling African National Congress, ANC, policy, it now awaits President Cyril Ramaphosa's signature to become law. Under it, a National Health Insurance Fund will be established, funded through mandatory taxes. The money will be used to pay health insurance for all South Africans to access full health care paid for by the government. Critics, however, oppose this move from the government. Michelle Clark is a member of the Democratic Alliance Party. Our constitution says that every South African citizen has freedom to choice. So in terms of the NHI bill, that would be obliterated. Because um, the NHI bill seeks to to abolish um, private health care and only have state health care that will capacitate our health care. Ryan Notch, CEO of Discovery Health, a medical aid company, says although they are fully in support of equal health care for all, there are many aspects of the bill that are a non-starter. The problem with the NHI as it's proposed today in its current form is Section 33 of the bill, which says that when the NHI is fully implemented, at that point in time, medical schemes will not be allowed to provide any cover that's provided by the NHI. It effectively renders medical schemes 
redundant at the time that the NHR is fully implemented. Professor Van den Hever from the Witwatersrand School of Governance questions the mode of funding and the government's ability to run the program considering its current failures. It is a completely untested regime and no promises can be made on the basis of what is very likely to be a rather dysfunctional institution, particularly given that its governance structure, its corporate governance design, pretty much mimics every single public entity that has failed in South Africa to date and not failed minor way, but failed spectacularly. However, Nicholas Crisp, Deputy Director General in the Department of Health, says the program will be done in phases to accommodate each challenge until they are all overcome. There are legion problems. The question is what we do to fix them, where people think that we think it is a a magic bullet or some kind of a thing like that. We know it's not. We know this is long, hard work, but somebody must tackle it. And we can't continue with the polarized services that only those who have money get healthcare. It's it's just not acceptable. Crisp says even after Ramaphosa's signature, it will take some time before the National Health Insurance Program is ready for implementation. Thanks to Sokumalo for that report. I mean, Eddie, I'm just wondering if mm. it will be open also to other foreigners in the country or just South Africans. You know, it's close <laughs> to home, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's it's a very good question, by the mm. way. And I think it's something that we should be looking at, especially in a country like South Africa, where there's there's been a lot of foreigners that are in mm. the country are worried uh, if they will be allowed to stay further, especially ahead of elections. Exactly, it's, yeah. it's even increasing tensions. So, uh, you know, it will be the hope that this would, would uh, you know, affect, you know, everyone will qualify, so to mm. speak, for, for this. But we'll be keeping tabs on that. Otherwise, it's a, it's a very good move, isn't it? I it mean, is having... a very good move. It is a very good move. Yeah. Kudos to that. I, I hope it will be signed, I mean, into yeah. uh, reality by the yeah. president. And yeah. just to remind you of our top story. Yeah. Democratic Republic of Congo is going to the polls tomorrow to yeah. select their leaders, their president and councillors, parliamentarians. And we will be bringing you a real, I mean, the whole show yeah. will be on DRC tomorrow. Yeah. So stay tuned on stay Africa tuned. Link. Stay tuned. And thank you for your time today. I am Eddie Micah Jr. And I'm Josie Mahachi. Until tomorrow, take care. Made for Minds.